Hey, this is Gary. This is Mike. And Daniel. We're not professionals. We're just three addicts sharing our experiences, strength, and hope regarding recovery. Having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to other addicts and to practice these principles in our lives. Welcome to another episode of the 12th Step Podcast. I'm Mike. And I'm Gary. And this is Daniel. Good to be with you again. Good to be with you and to our listeners. Tonight, we have a really good topic. I think that's something that our uh, uh, our our counselor had talked about that I think that we really ought to address, and he, he brought up that, that maybe we need to spend some more time with. It's this concept between powerlessness and unmanageability. All right, and this is a concept that you'll meet very early in your recovery Absolutely. process. Yeah. And typically, there's a lot of... Uh, Deer in the headlights look <laughs> initially when right. we start talking about the difference. What's great about this is if you are uh, uh, if you're working at all on your steps, uh, the first step, of course, is is that we admitted that we were powerless over our addictive sexual behavior, and that our lives had become unmanageable. Those two words obviously come up in the very first the very first step of the twelve steps, and and so understanding what powerlessness and unmanageability mean because they are there why they may share some characteristics in common. There's a lot of things to them that are very different, and it's the focus of the two that become very powerful in our recovery. So let's jump right in. Powerlessness. Let's talk about powerlessness. What does that, uh, what does that mean to each one of us? I mean, well, I've got the, oh, I've got the, the actual like meaning like okay so uh admitting powerlessness means admitting that no amount of trying or practicing or self-control is going to change the way um that you know this addiction is affecting your brain um you know i know shane has talked about that a lot that you know your best thinking got you here right and that's pretty much that you know that you know no matter i mean especially for me no matter how hard i tried at doing x y or z i always ended up in the same place. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's a great point. I want to, before we go too far down this topic of powerlessness, one of the things that I really want to make certain that we help everybody understand is, is that just because powerlessness is an element of, of addiction, therefore um, the, the opposite of that is, is working through recovery, the key to it is is that we are still very much responsible for our actions. Absolutely. Yes. Powerlessness doesn't indicate then that just because we can't seem to control this particular addictive behavior that somehow, some way, we're not responsible for how we act. So Yeah, it's very important not to uh, adopt a victim stance exactly. idea around it. You know, you're, like you said, your best thinking got you here, and it yeah. was terrible thinking, but it, it, was a, it was the cumulative, cumulative effect of your decisions that got you where you're at. Exactly. So what do you think powerlessness? Explain powerlessness in your own experience, Gary. Um. If I could, I tried so many things. I tried so many things. And if it were possible for me to have gotten out of it on my own or by sheer willpower, I would have found a way to do it. Certainly. But I didn't. Right. You know, and in spite of the fact that, you know, my world was burning down around my ears, I still found my way back to to what I was doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's uh that certainly is a summary of my own experience as well. Um, I think also there's this element of, of at least in my own experience, this idea that that religion somehow could 
solve my problem? How many times did I seek out you know, some clergy asking for help, struggling with this particular issue? And the advice didn't seem to be um, much more helpful <laughs> in any way, shape, or form that, you know, that, hey, if you just did this or you just did that, that somehow you'd, you'd overcome that. Uh, and I understand now, after working through my own recovery to some extent, understand where they came from. They simply had no tools. They had nothing to be able to give me. Uh, and so I've come to appreciate that. I have come to appreciate that and to understand their own, their own limitations when it is that I sought them out. They didn't understand the, the psychosis of what it is I was experiencing. So I, I, I can relate to that. I can appreciate that. Um, but no doubt about it, that just the constant effort, the constant effort of trying to figure out a way. Uh, and I remember distinctly in my own acting out life, there was a point in time where I said, that's it. Mm-hmm. I'm, this is who I am. Yeah. This is what I am. Um, and I'll never be anything different. This is yep. this is what I am. I remember very clearly a moment like that in mind. Yeah, and I think the uh, the alternative of that uh, because what that introduced more than anything at that point in my life was this element of hopelessness. I don't think I've ever hit a spot in my life where I felt more hopeless about making a change in my life than at that point in time. The realization that this is who I am, this is who I'll always be. This is uh, this is what my body craves. This is what I want. And there doesn't seem to be anything different, and nobody seems to have an answer for me. Uh, and so hopelessness was the only alternative, and it felt very hopeless. And, mm-hmm. and I felt very helpless. Well, in falling into that hopelessness, it kind of takes on a victim mentality. It really does. It's like, wow, I mean, everything in the world, and I'm stuck with this. There's just no way out of this. Yeah, you, right. know, you know, No matter how many people I go talk to, there's no way to get, you know, to solve the temptation. There's no way to... Um, circumnavigate this because you know it, it clears away for a while but then it comes back right so um, but you know it, for me I found that there was a way out but mm-hmm. it, it took work well, let yes. me let me ask you a question before we get too far sure. from the moment you said it cleared away for a while mm-hmm. what, what does that mean well just like the temptation uh, to look at it you, mm-hmm. you find like little brief respites of sobriety where you, you know for at least for me It'd be, you know, sometimes it'd be a few days, sometimes it'd be a few weeks, sometimes it'd be a couple months, but it was never something that just continually went away. And it was, it, yeah, and I realized a lot of it was like white knuckling it and just trying really hard to avoid it. Um, but it always, the, you know, it was like a, a boiling pot. It just kept building and building and building and eventually it would burst and then it's like binge city right. and then you're right back in there. One of the things that I think is really relevant when we talk about powerlessness is uh, the idea in recovery is accountability. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I know, in fact, as I read some of the literature, accountability is very much critical, a really critical component of recovery. In fact, uh, any addict that starts down the path of 12 steps or even into a into some sort of recovery with a, with a counselor, the notion of accountability will come up very, very quickly. And they'll start identifying an accountability partner, somebody that they can then disclose to and and uh, that they can be accountable to on every on every level of everything they're feeling and and, uh, and in our particular case, uh, you filled that role as a sponsor, um, and I'm providing that to some some sponsees myself that sort of mm-hmm. thing and um, accountability is a big piece of that so powerlessness then is this idea that I, there's nothing I can do but accountability then reinst instills that that uh, that idea that there is something you can do you can be accountable to somebody for mm-hmm. your actions mm-hmm. 
and it's in the process of being accountable then that you find to start some you start to find some relief you start to find some understanding and some grant and you can finally start getting some footing in what it is that's going on uh, because powerlessness is very much connected to unaccountability mm-hmm. <laughs> there's nothing more there's nothing more powerless than than being completely unaccountable to anybody and so by being accountable to somebody you can start moving forward and we've talked about the, that on even other episodes. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, it's always interesting how it is that after somebody has relapsed, that first thing they want to do is call us and say, hey, guess what, I've relapsed, as if we can do something about that. Um, but if somebody's willing to be accountable to another person, it's amazing how much of that powerlessness and how much of that, that acting out behavior can be mitigated very early on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's a, that's a critical, critical component of recovery is this idea of accountability and being responsible for our actions, taking ownership of what it is that we've done and wanting to fix it. Well, and that, that accountability part really played a huge factor for me. Like, I mean, before I had actually started, you know, my journey with Shane and with Gary and all that, uh, you know, I always thought like re- reaching out, what's that really going to do? <laughs> right. I'm calling some guy up and like, Hey, I'm thinking to go, I'm, I'm going to go look at porn. Like really, what's he going to do? It's right. not like he's going to drive over to my house rip the computer out of my hands and say, quit doing that. Um, Cause that's kind of what I envisioned, you know? And it's just like, this is really dumb. Um, <laughs> but getting into it, you know, uh, it, it did, it had a huge impact because, you know, I, and, I, and I still remember, you know, like the first several months, Gary would always call and, and ask, well, how are you doing? What's going on? Haven't heard from you. And I'd always just sigh. <laughs> and it's like, man, one day I'm not going to hear that anymore. Um, because it was always like, man, it's just one more day. Things are just mm-hmm. difficult. Sure. And, but over time, by being accountable and that there's a shift, you know, and then I wasn't, it wasn't like, oh, man, I just got to get through the day. So it's like, all right, today's just another day. Right. And I'm okay. Yeah. Even if I slide backwards a little bit, I'm still okay. Because before that, it was just like, man, if I screw up, I'm, the worst person in the universe. I'm a right. piece of garbage. And going through this process, you realize you're not a piece of garbage. It's just it's just a symptom right. uh, of the disease, and you're just going through that. I remember uh, from one of my own experiences, I probably cut you off. No, go right ahead. You're going to have to jump in. And that, no, I've, I've got a couple of thoughts, but All right. go ahead. I, uh, one of my routes home take me past a hotel that I'd acted out at before multiple times. And we had made some efforts, I think, to actually uh, to visit the hotel and to drop some things off to, to sort of free my mind of some of those thoughts. And I remember uh, it was always sort of a, it was one of those experiences where emotionally it was, a, it was a troubling time when I would drive past that location and past that hotel. It would work me up. And I remember calling you uh, as I'm driving down the road and I've been thinking about even the acting out behaviors of what had gone at that hotel for you know, when you're stuck in traffic, it can be for an hour, sort of ruminating over all those silly things. And I remember your comment to me then was, is that, you know, we need to change the pattern of this. Maybe we need to discuss this before you get to that location and start having conversations about whatever so that we can work through that as we went around. And I and I uh, had the similar sort of thought that Daniel did. Well, what good is that going to do? Yeah. <laughs> and yet I found... <clears throat> I found as as I took advantage of that, you know, to have somebody else in my life to be accountable to and to reach out and to talk through that particular challenging moment in the stretch of road. And it was really only a small stretch. It's interesting how the freeway works as I come around 
coming off of one freeway to get on another freeway, that hotel happens to be right in the corner of those, the merge of those two. So literally within a matter of, you know, five minutes, uh, I, it's out of my, it's out of my view. But it was such a triggering experience to go past that. Now you could argue that go a different way or something like that. And those thoughts came to my mind, but sometimes it would be an extra 30 or 40 minutes, depending on traffic, to get home. So uh, it was nice then to, to sort of think through that experience and say, what can I do different? Who am I accountable to? Well, I've got a sponsor who's very much interested in my well-being. And so I'm going to call that sponsor during this period of time. And I think, as you iterated, I can't do anything for you after, but I can sure do an awful, sure do an awful lot for you before. And so just having a conversation before I got to that location and as we talked through what was going on and how that was affecting me and how relevant that was to make it past that little segment of freeway and then move forward, that it, that it didn't last for an hour now of sort of triggering thoughts and events. So uh, I appreciated that. So this whole idea of accountability is a significant piece of recovery. You got a thought? Yeah, I did. So I want to jump back for just a minute and revisit the uh remember the the you mentioned that there was a moment that you just kind of gave up yes mm -hmm. okay now <clears throat> in my experience um i remember when i did that when i gave up and then for a time it seemed like things got better oh yeah okay <clears throat> and what i mean by that is what I mean by that is, is, is uh, the only way I know how to articulate it was there's a little bit of a sense of relief because now it's like, well, if this is what I am, then there's nothing for it. And I'm just going to lean into it. And we'll, you know, this is what I am. This is what I am. <clears throat> and I don't want, I don't want anybody who might be in that place to make the mistake of thinking that that sense of relief that you feel when you move past that point when you give up on on f uh, fighting your fight like somehow that's an indication that everything is okay no. you know that it was oh i made a correct decision or i was just wrong this this whole time this really is okay kind of yeah. thing because it's, it's not going to change the consequences of what you're doing yeah you know it's not going to change the results so i just wanted to throw that out there well, it's a lot like just ignoring the, the oil light. You know, it's like, all right, it's just always on. So I'm, I'm just not going to worry about it right. anymore. And, and it's fine for a while, but then eventually something dramatically goes wrong. Yeah. In a big way. <laughs> yeah. And there's a lot you could have done before. <laughs> You're right. Yeah, there's a lot you could have done before. Yeah. The other thing that I wanted to mention is that um, the idea of powerlessness, and, and this is a little hard to get your head around, because there's an element of it that says, you know, I have to admit that I'm powerless to change this. But the minute that I admit that I am powerless and make myself accountable, then suddenly I regain a tremendous amount of power right. to mm -hmm. do something about yes. it. And that's, that's a little hard to get your head around initially. Absolutely. But it really does work that way. Um, when I was in the middle of all, all of my stuff and everything was in secret, I tried everything that I could to mitigate my behavior, to change it. You know, I'd go through these, these, uh, episodes of, oh man, I remember one time I even threw the computer away. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I staged this whole thing where I sure. broke it and then 
blamed it on some whatever yeah and then you know just threw it away i just like purge everything and then i'd just you know just try terribly hard just to over overcome this and it always managed to creep its way back and it always came back with a vengeance yeah and it wasn't until i got into recovery and was in my recovery for quite some time before i began to understand that i had so habituated myself to using this as a coping mechanism Yes. You know, mm-hmm. that <clears throat> that my ability to reason around this, because my thinking was skewed. I, right. I, I no longer had the ability to think clearly about it. Right. You know, I was unable to see how sick I was. Mm-hmm. You know, I had justified my actions for so long. It had so muddied the water around it that even though I felt terrible for it, I couldn't think clearly about it. Right. Does that make sense? It does. So, so I, I had, uh, I was powerless on my own to change it. I could, I could not. And had, had that been a possibility, I would have found a way to do it. Right. Absolutely. Truth. I mean, I, I think as long as I've been dealing with this addiction that, uh, and again, I, I think we came upon this addiction in a very innocent way of dealing mm-hmm. with what we understood of life's problems at that particular point. And so it only grew over a matter of time to becoming this moment of powerlessness when we no longer had control of the problem. It was now bigger than we were. Mm-hmm. So uh, I want to shift gears for just a second and talk now about unmanageability. Mm. We've identified powerlessness as being this inability to control and to, to manage, if you will, our addictive behaviors, what then is the unmanageability side of that? And I think the piece that jumps out for me more than anything is is this inability to control the consequences of mm-hmm. my acting out mm-hmm. behavior. I may choose to act out, or I may act out simply by impulse or compulsion simply because I'm powerless over that problem, but the manageability side of it is I have no control over the effect of what happened. Right. And, mm. uh, and, and no question about it that... Um, all of those things started to come together very quickly as I was finding myself, uh, uh, you know, think of all the stories of folks that we know, people where, you know, some of these stories started to come out and some of this started to happen. I know in my own experience when my wife confronted me point blank and asked me about a particular relationship at work and asked if I'd had an affair. And uh, I lied. I lied point blank, and I uh, I think of that experience and how different things would have been had I simply just told the truth. Uh, but the unmanageability of all of that was is that that created such a level of distrust that affected me for the next several years mm-hmm. in terms of my marital relationship, and rightfully so. She uh, she no longer trusted the the feelings that were coming to her about this situation and how how mm-hmm. challenging that was. That was a moment of unmanageability. You can you can think of a moment. I didn't mean to. Stop. No, no. Go ahead. Uh, you can think of the moment of unmanageability as, like, we'll, we'll go back to to Daniel's car analogy. You know, mm-hmm. the the oil light is on when it blows up. Yeah, <laughs> you don't get to control. That. You don't That's, get to control yeah. that. You, yeah, you, it's you too know, late. And it's too late. And I think that unmanageability happens when the natural consequences of what you're doing uh, accumulate to the point that the that you can no longer you can no longer mitigate them right you yeah. know and and it's kind of funny how i don't know it's kind of funny how they'll seem to to build and build and build almost like you're ripening mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden right and everything falls apart 
and it falls apart in a big way. A big way. Yeah. A big way. Even even at the point in time when you decide to seek recovery, sure, and now have to start introducing um, truth back into all those conversations. The the time I had a chance to sit down with my wife and explain to her that I was a sex addict, and what that all means, and I and she didn't the point her by her own by her own explanation, didn't know exactly what that meant, had to actually go Google it and find out what that actually entailed because she didn't know. Uh, but but the, the, the depth of unmanageability began even opening up at that point in time. Mm-hmm. And I think that's that fear of that unmanageability that can, that prevents us in a lot of cases from getting honest. Well, some of it, I believe, is also we're kind of deluding ourselves. I mean, at least for me, you know, I was always like... You know, when I got to that point, like, oh, I don't care. It was like, what does it hurt? It's only hurting me. I'm the only right. person affected by this. It's not affecting anyone else. Right. But then, you know, as I've gotten healthier and looked back, I've realized, wow, it really did affect a lot of aspects. It affected my kids. It affected, you know, my ex-wife. Um, it, it affected relationships with mm-hmm. friends and family. Oh, yeah. I mean, it just, it has this cascading effect. Yeah. And... You know, but the 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 thing was, it was just it it became such a strong force that it was now driving itself. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. You know, and I didn't realize, I didn't understand that it was what I was using to cope right. with life and, and my trauma and stuff like that. So it really took a life of its own. Or maybe when I was younger, in my early teens, when you know, if I had spoken to someone that understood that, it, it could have gone a different route, like right. you said. Uh, with being honest and upfront, but I I didn't have those opportunities, yeah. and that unmanageability and powerlessness was where it was like this thing is stronger than I am, because the tools I have don't work. Right, right. And you have to learn new tools, <laughs> and then you're like, okay, now I'm stronger than this. Mm-hmm. Now I can start disassembling and the pieces. I think it's it's important to point out that, um, you know, addiction being a disease a disease of escape, mm-hmm. whatever your drug of choice was, this is what you found that it worked for worked, me yeah it worked for a while it did yeah you know yeah. that's the yeah you know that's the real rub of the situation it's you know it worked for a minute it did mm-hmm. but you get to the point where you're no longer capable of stopping it or reasoning your way out of it and then the the results and the consequences of those things accumulate mm-hmm. go out of control and then it's beyond your control and then it's unmanageable. So the powerlessness, you can't stop it. It's creating unmanageability and yes. everything falls to pieces. Yes. And then you bottom out. And I remember one of my favorite ways to describe my bottoming out was I, I remember telling somebody very early on that there wasn't enough left of me to hold the house of cards together anymore. Sure. And everything collapsed. I, I said I felt hollow and everything fell in, inward, yes, you know. Absolute truth. I remember that. I distinctly remember that. For me, it was a week prior to the point in time that I reached out to call a, a counselor. Um, I, I, was on a, I was on a week, sort of a 10-day bender of some type that was, that was, uh, um, it was very expensive. There was lots going on during that period of time. I was gone constantly. I'd walk into my office and instantly the phone would ring. A client would say, I need, and, and uh, that would send me into this spiral, and out the door I would go again. And I would be I would be gone literally all day. And it was for, uh, like I said, it, I was, it was the craziest 
sort of out of body experience I can even I don't even know how else to describe it but it felt like it was so big it was so large and so painful and the only way I could deal with it was by acting out behavior and it just kept going and going and going and finally I had to call somebody so I, I don't I don't I've never felt that way before. It was the strangest mm-hmm. phenomenon mm-hmm. I think I'd ever experienced. Um, and again, I couldn't deal with just the simplest little life issues. There was nothing in life that I could deal with. Uh, a phone call, I need, I, I'd lose it. And so uh, that was the moment in time when I, and I remember the first couple of sessions with a counselor saying, this is where I'm at, this is what's going on. And I had no idea I was as messed up as I was. Mm-hmm. My unmanage- unmanageability had, had reached an, uh, just a sort of new level, and there really are levels in this. So It also might be helpful to think about this as, you, uh, as you're working on your recovery, to, think, to kind of think of it as, oh, there are two very different things that I'm working on at the same time. Yes. You know, when I'm addressing my issues of powerlessness, I now have to make myself accountable to somebody and I need to find somebody who can help me sort through all of this stuff so that I can heal to the point where I can reason again so that I can think clearly so I can remove those uh, cognitive dissonance and and kind of work through all of that and that's a lot of work and that's a that's a that's a real thing but another piece to that and very closely related but different is you also have to deal with putting your life back into a situation where it's manageable again You know, and that's going to look like putting your relationships back together, uh, putting your career back together, putting, you know, uh, dealing with the consequences of your actions. Right. Because, you know, once you've you've made the decision, you know, uh, the people in your life can forgive you, but the consequences of your actions are still yours. Right. You know, and... And, and they're going to be, whatever they are, they're going to be yours to deal with for as long as they need to be dealt with. Yes. And some of these, some of these consequences, you know, they take us to the realms of even the outskirts of law, if mm-hmm. you will. And, and there's, so there's consequences associated with that. There are consequences associated maybe perhaps with your faith. There, you mm-hmm. know, whether you can be a part of that religious community anymore. Uh, there are consequences of, there, you know, family consequences. All of these things come full circle in the end. And the unmanageability of that is, uh, you're right. This, this, when the whole thing, when the whole house of card comes tumbling down, it's the unmanageability carries on for a long period of time. Long period of time. And it takes a long time to wrap that up. Mm-hmm. So this is not a this is not a path for the faint of heart for one, and it's not a path for uh, quick and easy fixes. It just simply no. isn't. Yeah, but when has taking the easy path ever been the good That's choice? True. <laughs> really? That's true. I'd agree with that. I'd agree with that. Very interesting, uh, very interesting discussion. I hope that we've illuminated, uh, uh, you know, the differences sufficiently to help people understand the differences between uh, powerlessness and unmanageability. There's no question about it that those who are serious about working their steps, uh, uh, that first step will draw out of you a very solid discussion about moments of powerlessness and moments of unmanageability. That's what the that's what the first step is intended to focus on, and so, uh, and it's a great opportunity for, really, for anybody who's walking this path to spend just a minute and write down their story. This is the first time their story really is told publicly, focusing on those two elements and those two uh, those two aspects. But it's a big deal to be able to share that story with others and to get that finally out in the open. So, great opportunity. 
Yeah, I, and I, I know one thing that Shane always mentions when you're doing that first step, if you, you're reading through it and you can't find any powerlessness or unmanageability, you're not doing it right. Yeah. <laughs> they definitely then have to be in there. you're not an addict if there's no powerlessness <laughs> or unmanageability. That or you're just and putting a lot of fluff it. in there. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so... Well, with that, uh, this is Mike saying do the work necessary to find the peace that recovery can bring. This is Gary saying do the next right thing. And this is Daniel saying find the humility in your recovery. Thank you for listening to the podcast. We would love to hear from you. If you have any questions, thoughts, or concerns, or have any suggestions for future episodes, please contact us at 12thsteppodcast at gmail.com. That is 12th step podcast at gmail.com as a fellowship of recovering addicts sex addicts anonymous offers a message of hope to anyone who suffers from sex addiction check out saa-recovery.org